Let's just let the word soak in, Sister Ava. Come on up. Let's welcome her tonight. If we... worth of what God's been putting in me doesn't try to come out tonight. I promise you I will try to stick to my notes. I believe that God's just laid a very special word on my heart tonight to share with you. I've come to encourage you. I've come to stir you up. Yes. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer for just a minute. Father, I'm so grateful, Lord. We are so grateful that we can be here house tonight just to enjoy your sweet, sweet spirit that is here with us. Father, let our ears be open to receive your word tonight, Father. Let us hear your heart. And Lord, let us be obedient. Let us do the things that you've called us to do. And Lord, let us do everything that we do for your glory. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what are to me, to what the things that you are already doing in this place. And I thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' precious, precious name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to say yes. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard sometimes to be obedient. But the word says that we're supposed to do it. Right? And you thought Nike cornered the market on that phrase. No, it was said first in the Word. In John 2, verses 2 through 9, and this is a familiar verse or verses to us. It was at the scene of a wedding. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother looked at the servants and said, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. You know the rest of the story. There were water pots, and Jesus told them to fill them. They obeyed. He did what he was supposed to do, and they had wine in the water pots. Jesus told them to do it. They did, and he did. There's a lot of examples in the word about situations just like that. God brought a few of them to mind where he told people to do it. One of them, God says, build it. Noah did. He says, I'll do it, and you know the rest of that story. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness 
which is according to faith. God said, build it. Noah said, I'll do it. In another situation, God said, move. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. God said, move. Abraham said, I'll do it. In another place, God says, walk around the walls. They do it, then God does it. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled them for seven days. God said, walk. They said, yes, I'll do it. And then God does his part. God tells another one to blow a trumpet, break the water pots and yell. Now, I'm sure that sounded silly, but they did it, and then God did it. The three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands, trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they called out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran out. God says, blow the trumpet. They say, I'll do it. God does it. God says to circle the enemy. Wait for the sound in the mulberry trees. Then go. They do. And guess what? God does. The man of God tells Naaman to go dip in the water seven times. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. The man of God told him to do something. He did it. He was healed. And then Jesus tells his disciples and the followers to wait. He says, wait. And they do it. He told them in Acts 1, 4 through 8, he said, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they continued in one accord in prayer and supplication and the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus with his brothers and they waited and they obeyed. They received, they spoke in tongues, they preached with authority, people repented and over 3,000 were saved. I have to read this. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord 
in one place. And suddenly, we've heard that word so many times, suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and it began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God said, wait. They said, I'll do it. And he did it. Time and time again, more stories than just these that I've shared with you, God gives the command to do it. And when we do, he says he'll do it. His word is full of promises. His word is full of blessings to those who will do whatever he says. But I don't know about you. I know for me sometimes I don't. And I think we're all be honest about that. We don't always do what it is that he's asked us to do. And our reasons are many. We always have a reason or an excuse or something. And to be perfectly honest with you, most of the time our reasons are pretty lame. Right? Mine are. I don't know about yours, but mine are. And there's scripture after scripture I could read too about what happens to those who are disobedient. But tonight I want to encourage us. Because the bottom line is, we must do it. We must do it. We must do what he has said to do, and there can be no more delay. We can't wait any longer to do what he's told us to do. Lives are hanging in the balance, literally, waiting on us to be obedient, waiting on us to do it. We need to do it. In this season of spiritual focus, it's time for us to just not get it. Have you heard people say that a lot lately? I get it. I get it. I'm not really sure what that means, but you you hear that. I get it. And that's fine. I want us to get it. But I want us to do more than that. I want us to do it. Do it. It's time for us to set aside self-focus and become kingdom-focused. And we need to do it. And what we must do, I keep telling you to do it, and you're saying, okay, 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 I get it. What is it that we're supposed to be doing? And it's simple. We need to obey. We need to obey. That's what those scriptures are all about. That was what the moment that the pastor asked me if I would be able to speak tonight, it wasn't a second's that I heard those three words, acts of obedience. How I turned that into six pages of notes, I don't know, but that's what I heard, acts of obedience, acts of obedience. We need to obey. And we need to pray. That's the first thing we need to do. 2 Chronicles 7.14 This verse has been burning in me for months. There hasn't been a time that I don't think that I've been before anyone talking about prayer that this scripture hasn't just echoed through the room and it's going to echo again. If, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways 
Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. And if we don't, we're, we're going to. We are going to be that people. But if we don't, there is a strong warning. It says, if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, and this is a little farther on in Second Chronicles 7, actually, we're starting with verse 19. He said, if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out from my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among my peoples. That's a strong warning. And I think we can look at the world that we live in today and see the evidence of a lack of prayer, a lack of people doing what God has commanded us to do. And it is so simple. It is so simple. So we need to unite together, to come together, to be in one accord, and to be united in that word obedience. We need to be diligently, diligently seeking his face. And then we need to do whatever it is that he says for us to do. Prayer combined with faithful acts of obedience, both of which God says we must do, might look something like this. I want to share a story with you, just some bits and pieces, about a revival that took place in Argentina. Looking to the past gives us some lessons that are important for us today. This was back in the 50s. And a missionary named Dr. Ed Miller was called to that land, called to a place where, from all reports, the heavens were closed. God was of no importance to the people there, there was, there was no spiritual life at all. It was a closed-up place. But yet he went, and he did what missionaries often do when they go to a place. They tried to evangelize. They handed out their um, tracts to people. They invited people to their meetings. And meeting after meeting, no one came. Surely they were getting frustrated. Dr. Miller was getting frustrated. And suddenly, after no success, God began to deal with him about his own intimacy with the Father. So he decided to start praying as if that was his job, meaning praying eight hours a day, every day. Eight hours every day for months of what seemed to be dry prayers. He even gave God an ultimatum at one point during that time, and he said, I'm going to do this until this point in time, and if nothing happens, I'm quitting. I'm going back out to the streets. Before that time came, God sent somebody to their door, and he was able to lead that person to the Lord. But then God said, I can bring them. You need to be obedient and go back to praying. And he did. Not too long after that, God called for them to begin having four-hour prayer meetings, which, again, he wasn't anxious to begin because no one ever came to the meetings. But he did it anyway, and there were some very set rules. God said that the meetings would be from 8 
in the evening to 12 o'clock midnight. They would be for four hours. And if anyone was going to come to the meetings that didn't want to stay for the whole four hours, he said, don't come. That's tough, isn't it? But that's what he said. That was the direction. He didn't pray alone. A backslidden man came and his young wife and one other young servant girl. And they spent the four hours in prayer every night. Nothing was happening, or so it seemed. It was dry, yet they were being obedient. They stayed, they prayed, they stayed, and they prayed. And finally, one night at about 11 o'clock, they all gathered together. And Dr. Miller said to those that were with him, is anybody hearing anything or sensing anything at all that we're supposed to do? And the young servant girl said, well, I think maybe I was supposed to go strike the table. But that seemed silly. And so she didn't. And they continued praying and praying. And finally, he urged her, go strike the table. And that night, she still didn't. But all the rest of them did. And nothing happened. And then finally, she meekly went up to the table And she struck it. One act of obedience. And here's what happened. Immediately a rushing wind swept into the room from the southeast corner. In seconds, the retiring, timid servant lass was on her feet, worshiping the Lord in great ecstasy. Her hands raised in the air. Her face was transformed, radiating the joy and the glory of the Lord as she spoke in an unknown tongue. The backslidden, rebellious man who had consistently resisted the call of God all over his life fell under the table and there began to worship the Lord in another tongue as the Spirit gave utterance. And his young wife cried out, I too, Lord, and she broke forth in a strange tongue. A simple act of obedience released the presence of God and people then began to respond freely to the gospel. That was only the beginning of the story. You need to read the rest of it. But from that point, the gospel was was accepted. A, A Bible school was opened. And the Spirit of God moved in that place again with prayer and repentance. It was an awesome time. And it cleared the way for a unknown, a totally unknown evangelist to come to that country. And then revival broke out. That changed that country completely. If God did it then, he can do it again. And it could just depend on one act of obedience. Just one. I know, I know that we are on the verge of the awakening I feel it in my spirit. I see it. I see this place filled with people. I see not just Sister Renee doing the bulletin, but a team of people who have to do pages of the bulletin because there's so many things going on in this place. There are so many people that have ministries and callings birthed in them already that are going to come forth. We're going to see it. It's going to happen. But it's going to take obedience. 
It's going to take praying. And I don't know what the single act of obedience is. Who would ever thought that striking a table is all that it would take? But when God speaks to you to do something, just do it. It may seem silly. Maybe it seems silly to me when I pick up my banner and I'm reminded of his banner over me with love and I worship with it. That may look silly to somebody else, but it's my act of obedience. It's what God calls me to do. And that might be the thing that changes someone else. It could be waving a flag. It could be sounding a horn. It could be crawling up or down the aisles. It could be a simple act of coming up and bowing down. It could be serving another person. It could, it's, it could be anything, but we must obey. Right now, in this time and season, we need to be praying, and our acts of obedience are crucial. We must humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to turn from our wicked ways. And I know we don't, I mean, you know, wicked, really? That's a little bit of a strong word. I didn't say it. God did. And there are things in us that are wicked. And we need to repent of them, and we need to turn from them. We need to repent. Repentance is another important key. Obedience, repentance, and prayer. We need to seize every time that we can to worship him. Not just here. In here is great, but what if, what if every person who came through those doors had already been in prayer for hours and hours before they walked through those doors or had just been spending time with him in his presence, worshiping him, leaning in, listening? What if, what if? Can you imagine what it would be like if the moment we walked in these doors, we didn't go to find something else to do, but we came here to this altar and began worshiping before the music ever starts? There's no rules posted out there that says that's how it has to be. I've never once heard Pastor Brian say, you will come in, you will sit down, we will listen to three songs, then you will stand, sit, stand, sit, pray. I've never heard him say that, ever. Single acts of obedience. It's what we need to do. We need to obey like Jesus did. You know, in the last hours of his life here on earth, as he was preparing for possibly the single greatest act of obedience that ever was, what he did for us on the cross, he provided a path for us to follow. Before he went to the garden to pray and to say yes to what God was asking him to do, he gathered at a table. He gathered at a table with his disciples it was their last, probably the last meal together. And he said, it says that Jesus in, in John three, uh, 13, verses 3 through 5, and I'm sorry if I'm stumbling over those scripture verses. I'm so excited about what I'm doing that I, I forget to give you the information you need, but just forgive me and pray for me. 
John 13, verses 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from the supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he, with which he was girded. I don't know. Um, it, it's difficult to do a visual when you're trying to hold a microphone. I hadn't thought about that. He wrapped it around himself. He was girded with it. It was around him. And when he did that, he said he took the basin, began to wash feet. He knelt down. He washed the feet. I can only imagine what they were thinking. And he took the towel and he wiped them off. He said he washed their feet, he'd taken the garments, and he sat down and he said, Do you know what I've done? You call me teacher, Lord, and you say, Well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The word girded means all around, to gird all around, to be, to be surrounded all around by this towel. And you know that word is only used one other time, one other time in the Bible. The Greek word for this word translated girded. And it's when Peter <laughs> was at the boat and said, Therefore, it's in John 21, verses 3 through 7. And it said, Therefore, the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on, he girded himself with an, an outer garment. And plunged into the sea. He girded himself with his fisherman's garment and jumped into the sea. <laughs> Two times, Jesus girding himself for service, and Peter girding himself in the fisherman's clothing and jumping into the sea. That word, and of course I'll take you back to elementary school, you know, your tenses, past, present, and future. That word is in the aortist tense, which means ongoing. We don't have that tense in our language, but in the Greek they do. Ongoing. So that doesn't mean we stop. 
we always, we continue to gird ourselves with the towel to serve and continue to gird ourselves with the fishermen's garments to go out and bring in the harvest. Yes. That's what we are to do. There are opportunities for acts of obedience surrounding all of us every moment of our lives, every day. There's something that we can do for someone. He may not tell you to go strike a table. He may not tell you to, I don't know, run the aisles, but he might. But what he might do is nudge you just a little bit to reach out to someone Make a phone call, hug someone, speak to someone, do something for someone. Get away from our self-focus and begin to focus on those that are around us. Possibly there's something that he's placed in your heart to do that you think is impossible. We've already been encouraged in this house to dream big. Dream about those things that only God can do. Perhaps he's even saying that to you tonight, that whatever that special task or dream is that you think is impossible, he's saying to you, if, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He says, with men it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. We need to obey. We're called to obey, to pray, and to serve. We need to gird ourselves with a towel of service. We need to put on our fishermen's garments. And we need to jump into the sea. We need to get involved. We need to get involved. Just like the man of God spoke, the man of God in this house speaks for us also. He comes, he, he, is, he is directed with things that he feels like God has laid on his heart for us to do to reach out to others. It's an opportunity for us to say, I'll do it. It's an opportunity for each one of us to say, I'll do it. We can get involved, even here in this house, by sowing seed, by handing out those first aid kits. There aren't very many names on those lists out there. That's an opportunity to serve. That is an opportunity to say, I'll do it. And for those of you who have already been out, thank you. Thank you. Share that with somebody else. Sign up again or, or keep sharing the word to someone else and, and encourage them to come out and, and get involved. You can invite someone. If you can't come out to participate that way, you can invite someone to come and be a part. Come and be a part of this house to come to the programs that are coming. There's so many things that we can do. We need to pray. That's the single most important thing that we need to do. We need to be in prayer. We need to respond to the call to be a part of bringing the harvest in. And we need to not delay. We need, there needs to be no more delay. But just like Nike says, like I said, they didn't say it first. They said just do it. Just do it. And that's what we're going to do. We need to do whatever it is that he tells us to do. 
So tonight, I think I don't know. I don't even know what time it is. Do we have a little bit of time for some prayer? Prayer time, because that's the single most important thing that we need to do tonight. I don't know. You know, this is what I felt like God laid on my heart to share with you as a word of encouragement. I know that almost everyone sitting in this sanctuary tonight is involved in some way, shape, or form in this body. And thank you for that. But you can encourage others. You can watch for or see that one that maybe sits in the pew next to you or, or someone who's been away for a while. You can reach out to them and bring them in. Invite them. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. Share what's going on and give them the opportunity to come to this house to be a part of what's going on. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to think about what God's laying on your heart to do. And I encourage you to just do it. For these next few minutes, um, if we could just spend some time. I, you know, I'm come up to this altar just um, if you've not been obedient to the Lord and he's been speaking something to your heart, this would be a good time to come up and spend some time with him and tell him you're sorry for not being obedient and get his forgiveness and set yourself on the straight path to do what it is that he wants you to do say yes just say I'll do it Lord I'll do it whatever it is why don't you all just stand and during this time just respond as the Lord would would lead you to I would ask that we spend a few minutes here before we dismiss in prayer for our pastor and for his family And for all of those that are in leadership positions in this church, that you would pray for them and for their families, for all the workers and their families. Pray a covering of protection over them. I ask that you pray that we all come together with one accord in one place. That is important. That there will be no division among us. We're one body working together. Pray for this outreach project for the Easter series and all that is involved, every aspect. There's choir practices going on. There's dramas. There's the outreach. There's all the routes that we're trying to cover. Begin praying for those. This weekend is a big weekend for our youth. This is Winterfest. This is their opportunity for refreshing. And this is not just a field trip. This is an experience that will change their lives. We need to pray a covering over them, over their transportation, over those that are with them. But most importantly, that when they walk into those services, that the Spirit of God changes them, baptizes them with the Holy Spirit, sets their feet on the solid ground, changes them, turns them around, and He can do it. I've seen it done before. He will do it again. He will do it again. For our missions project, including Honduras, please don't forget to mention that. Pray a hedge of protection around the missions down there. Things go on there that we cannot even imagine, and they need our covering. As do the other mission fields that we're involved with here in this state, please pray for those. Pray for servants. Pray for those that are willing to take the towel, to be obedient. Pray for the towel takers, for those that want to go into the harvest. Pray for our acts of obedience. Let's just spend some time in prayer now. The altars are open. Respond to the word as the Lord's leading you. Let's just spend some time in prayer together.